Welcome to Series 2 of the Writing Around the Kids podcast, where we talk to a wide range of women writers who kindly share their experiences and tips. This series is jam-packed with brilliant writers from lots of different genres, so there's something for everyone. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to Writing Around the Kids. I'm Sam. And I'm Anna. And today we're delighted to have Kate Lee with us. Hi, Kate. Hi, Sam and Anna. Hello. Hi. Hi. So Kate is the author of six books for children, including the bestsellers Santa's Suit, which told 291 copy, thousand copies <laughs> in seven languages and the popular Snappy Pop-Up series. Her short stories and poetry have won awards in Shoreham Lit Fest, the Wright Festival and Bath Flash Award and have been published in anthologies including Restore to Factory Settings. Kate enjoys supporting other writers through her work as a freelance editor and mentor. As a carer, she understands how writing can be therapeutic, but also the thing that can maybe squeezed out when life gets crazy. Kate, who lives in Shoreham, West Sussex, has recently finished writing two picture books, one about expressing emotions, entitled Big Bears Don't Cry, and one about what home means to be a very small ghost, entitled The Haunted Hat. This winter, Kate is putting the finishing touches to a middle-grade novel for 8- to 12-year-olds. This story is an eco-mystery involving a curse, a shady scientist, and lots of bees. As well as words, Kate is a lover of images and maps, and you'll always find her drawing ideas and encouraging others to do so too. So long as Rupert, her beloved but naughty puppy, doesn't get the paper first. Fantastic. Oh, I'm so looking forward to um, having a chat with you about all your um, the brilliant things that you do. Um, but we're just going to kick off with, uh, you're going to read us a bit from Santa's suit. Yeah, I've got it right here. That's all good. Brilliant. So Santa is bored with his old red suit and feeling very out of sorts. So he decides to try something new. Touch and feel all of Santa's suits in every colour of the rainbow and discover which one he finally chooses. Um, so this book and some of the other picture books, I understand, are out of print, but you can find them in your local library. That's right, yes. OK, go ahead. OK, so this is Santa's suit. So it's a touch and feel picture book for, for preschoolers and it's written in rhyme. Santa's looking troubled. Santa's looking sad. What's the matter, Santa? Can it really be so bad? It's terrible, says Santa. He sighs and shakes his head. I want a different coloured suit. I'm just so bored with red. Perhaps I'll try a white suit to match my snowy hair. But will I be mistaken for a great big polar bear? Maybe instead a green one, just like my Christmas tree. Pink is quite delightful, but it simply isn't me. I tried a lovely yellow one, but it made me look quite mad, just like a giant lemon. Orange was just as bad. Could purple be my colour? Why, no, it's far too bright. And black and blue are hopeless in the middle of the night. These suits are all unsuitable, sighs Santa in despair. It's very nearly Christmas. Whatever shall I wear? Mrs Santa smiled. She knows just what to do. It's easy, says his clever wife. You ought to look like you. Red's your favourite colour. It's bright and warm and glows. Quite right, says Santa. Red is best and it matches Rudolph's nose. Beautiful. Oh, absolutely so, lovely. Yeah, so lovely. Um, and yeah, I used to, you know, love reading these kind of books with the kids as well, the, like the interaction of it. Did you um, always set out to kind of write for children? 
Um, I, I, I don't know that I necessarily did. I just sort of fell into it. I think because I, I really find rhyme quite a natural mm-hmm. form. Like I think a lot of people, perhaps starting out, especially if they're thinking about writing picture books, I think it's so sort of deeply ingrained in us um, and, and how we think about what small children are going to enjoy, the sort of sing-song nature of, of how we speak with very little children. So I think um, really that sort of almost that love of poetry and rhythm probably, and, and also humour, I think those things all sort of combined. And before I knew it, I'd written a picture book. <laughs> Uh, just, I, I'm, I'm really excited about this as well because you're our first children's author that we've had on the podcast. And I know that you write um, for different age groups within writing for children. So I just wondered what the different process is for writing for early years, for example, than writing for middle grade. Yeah, I mean, it's actually really quite a different process. And I think probably the starting off point is trying to figure out whether your idea is best suited for um, a preschooler, sort of a picture book age child, which might be two to five or three to six years old. And as you said before, it's a really interactive process. So when I'm working with new picture book writers, what I generally um, would, would suggest is look on it as an art form and really start with getting all your paper and your pens, ideally your pencils out, and literally kind of map out the book in recognition of the fact that it is an art form. And the illustrations are doing a, a visual job of storytelling alongside the actual text. And also it's a very minimal text. Like my, most of my picture books have under 300 words in them. <coughs> Excuse me. So it gives, it gives an idea of how perhaps to begin approaching a picture book as, as a, a very material thing that children will, will um, run their finger along the illustrations. They'll yeah. have the chance hopefully to sit and look at things like what are the pictures saying and is that the same as what the words saying? Whereas it's a really different process if you're writing, say, middle grade, which is eight or nine to 12 years old. They're really novels, and all the principles of writing a novel for adults apply. But perhaps maybe thinking as well about pace and really trying to hook in that child early on. So that's a really a really different process. Um, and also you're thinking about chapters in a way that you wouldn't really for, for a picture book. Mm-hmm. And with a picture book as well, so you're talking about with the illustrations... Uh, what's the practical process with that then? Are you teamed up with an illustrator to start with or do you have input into what the pictures look like or is, is it are they kind of two separate roles that then your publisher integrates? Yeah, that's a really interesting aspect of the picture book. It's so much a collaboration and normally what would happen after the, um, a publisher's commission the text, they then start to think about what kind of illustrations will suit that text and the feel of the book. And they will probably approach several different illustrators to ask them to do some samples, find out their availability, those sorts of things. And then they'll come up with a sort of almost like a short list and then try and figure out um, how, how best it's going to work together. So it's a real collaboration. You would have an editor, an art director, a designer, an illustrator, and of course, the, the author as well, all working together. And one of the chief joys of it is how much the illustrator will bring to the project mm-hmm. to bring the text to life, which is an absolute joy. Do you get a say in who the illustrator is? What you mean, like if somebody had drawn, had like reimagined your words and you thought that isn't even a bit what I thought they'd look like, would you be able to say? Uh, um, I, I think you, you certainly would be able to, they would certainly welcome feedback and, and an opinion. But I think we're so lucky really in the children's publishing, everyone is so passionate and skilled mm. and knowledgeable. And I would have complete faith in the publisher to to um, choose the right sort of illustrator because also they're thinking not just about 
this book right now, they're thinking about bigger trends and what's going on internationally. So they're really, really well placed to figure out the best visual presentation for your story. I kind of think of it as um, like a really personal version of uh, when a book you've really loved gets made into a film. Yeah. And whether it, you know, whether whether the things kind of sit side by side or whether it, um, you know it, it's grating or so um, yeah. yeah it's really it's really good to hear that um, you know that it's a positive it's been a positive experience for you. yeah it's, it's too personal yeah, isn't exactly. it I just I, mean, I was just it, thinking, it, it is yeah I'm just thinking about Sorry, some, it, it, when I was younger and uh, having read The Hobbit for the first time and I had a really clear idea in my mind um, what a hobbit looked like and it was kind of like a guinea pig um, <laughs> in a waistcoat <laughs> and then I remember going into a bookshop and seeing a poster on the wall of a hobbit and just feeling really um, just just kind of like really discombobulated I think because I just thought oh god maybe I got it wrong or something because yeah so I think having that having that synergy with somebody who can take your ideas and transform them into something that sits really comfortably with you I think hugely important so you don't end up with yeah a guinea pig in a waistcoat yeah. but also was that yeah, at a time definitely. in your life when you had heaps of guinea pigs I did have 26 yeah. guinea pigs at the time so on my mind you probably a identified as a guinea pig as well everybody's <laughs> guinea pig <laughs> yeah absolutely but no I mean I think we, we are just so lucky within the the, the, the illustrators because there are so many absolutely beautiful styles um, and, and so I, it's really nice I know exactly what you mean like a film of a book might not fit how you imagined it and it could be um, it could be a bit, a bit of a tricky thing but thankfully I don't I don't think that really is the case with 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 illustration mm-hmm. it tends to be quite a quite a happy process yeah. which is good and um, so what does your kind of writing uh, process look like um, in terms of kind of your day-to-day if you're yeah. uh, when you're working on something is it um, I suppose when you're talking about it's kind of 300 words for a, a picture book um it's not that's it, I guess because we've been talking to novelists who are you know producing kind of 80,000 words things uh watch process I'm going to stop rambling <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's a really interesting one thinking about length actually because um sometimes you have um an idea for a picture because although you know it's going to be say 300 words or maybe 500 or an absolute maximum would be around a thousand but sometimes that idea you know it's there but it's it's quite a while to rise to the surface yeah. and often what happens is you might have several ideas and then you've got to try and figure out which one you want to think about in this particular book and whether some of those ideas or themes might might belong in a different book so although there's a really short number of words and actually writing that and finishing that text doesn't necessarily take that long but actually figuring out the, the, the plot the characterization the that can take a really long time it's not that you're working on it constantly it's it's one of those classic things where you're going out for a walk with the dog and you think ah that's that's how I'm going to do this yeah. or actually that's what this story is about so actually the, the process of developing a, a really good picture but can take quite a long time but it's not that constant writing x number of words per day as you might have as your process as as a novelist Yes, it's quite a different process, I think, really. Yeah, yeah, I bet. So you talked about when you're taking your dog for a walk and then you can kind of unpick some of the knotty bits. Yeah. So would you, on a normal day, what would that look like for you, Kate? Do you just get up and get on your get to your desk? Or, yeah, how, how does writing balance with the rest of your life? 
Yeah, I think I, I would love to say I'm one of those people that has a fantastic routine, but I'm I'm just not a routine person, unfortunately. <laughs> I really wish I was. So it doesn't tend to be all that regular. And, and obviously, it's a podcast called Writing Around the Kids. And that's very, very much been my experience, both with, with kids and my body carer as well. So I think I've tended to find pockets when I can get some, you know, quite a bit of quiet time. Um, so I kind of more respond to when time's available. And that's changed as my kids got older and grown up and so on. Yeah. But I, I would love, I'd say, I'd love to be a person that has a routine, but um, sadly, that's not my nature. I don't think. I think that's brilliant as well, though, if you can find those pockets of time and then make that work for you as well. Um, yeah. Because it's kind of a switch, isn't it? Like you've got to, yeah, I think the, the more time precious we become, especially with children, the more productive we can get in those like, those kind of little little yeah. bursts for ourselves. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think in a way that plays, you know, if you are someone who, who essentially writes a picture, but still perhaps poetry or other short forms of literature, maybe that's actually influencing more than I've realised because I've responded, as you say, to those pockets of time. So actually to, to embark on writing a novel would be would be insanely difficult for me. Yeah. Um, so so maybe that has influenced my, my creative path more than I've realised. So that's quite interesting quite an interesting revelation Anna <laughs> and can I ask about the middle grade book as well because um I am lucky enough to be in a writing group with you so um I have heard some of this book and it is brilliant um but working in longer prose um what made you start to make that shift from writing from for early years to then this book as well and this book's got a lot of really interesting themes around the environment and friendship and yeah how, how did you how did you come across how, how did you what was your inspiration exactly that, that. <laughs> yeah my, my inspiration I think it, it's a really funny thing I find it really hard to pinpoint what the inspiration is for for longer work for, for picture books it's nearly always a funny thing somebody says or something humorous that happens that sparks the idea. But for longer books, I've written sort of a couple of chapter books and sort of lower middle grade length. But this is my longest one. It's about 47,000 words at the moment. Um, and I think I just had this idea. I think I'm quite drawn to the idea of characters that sort of that don't quite fit, that are maybe sort of the, the classic sort of outsider. And I, I had this idea that um, it's based around, as I don't know, it's the, um, the idea that children born in a leap year, so on 29th of February, mm. are, are thought to be cursed. And I just, uh, for some reason, this just really gripped me as an idea. I think particularly in the world that we live in at the moment where it's so easy for groups of people to be othered just because of who they are. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm very influenced by all that. And obviously you'd handle it in a much lighter, with a much lighter touch for, say, 9 to 12-year-olds. Um, that was the sort of, I guess, perhaps responding in some way to what's going on in the world generally, which is a really good steer for, for writers, I think, for any age group. Um, so that was the idea. And then I, I just feel very passionate about the environment. I try and within my garden I want to um, grow plants that bees are attracted to so I think that was kind of in the background as well and then somehow these these themes sort of came together so yes it's it's um it's been through two rounds of edits and Anna and, and lots of other fabulous writer friends through New Writing South has kindly given me sort of feedback and encouragement so yes it's it's getting pretty pretty close to the moment where I send it out into the world and see what happens. It's really exciting. I can't wait to read the finished story. Oh, thank you. Um and just again thinking about writing for those different age groups. Um this book is targeted for 
eight to 11, eight to 12 year olds. But I think also um, it's one of those brilliant books that works on different levels. So as a parent, I think there'd be a lot of enjoyment reading it as well. But right when you're writing specifically for the eight to 12 year old group, how do you know that you've pitched it right for that age? Do you have um, young readers or do you just really know that audience very well from reading in that kind of age genre yourself? What, how do you know you've got it right? Um, that's a, that's a really really great question actually. And I think ideally, yes, certainly getting sort of yeah children of that sort of age range to have a look and see if they understand things or if they find it funny is a fantastic thing to do. And something I would I would highly recommend, whether that's through um, your friends' children or through connections with the school, those sorts of things is really useful. I have a background in sort of early years and sort of a lot of child development. And I think that really has helped me particularly to sort of understand what things children are interested in at certain ages, um, as well as things like the more technical side, things like, say, reading levels. But a lot of it starts with what what are children interested in, what matters to them at that particular age. So, when, so for example, talking about picture books, it might, you know, the, the central aspect of your life is actually your, your, your main carer and your home, and you won't have much experience outside of that. Whereas when you're getting to middle grade, 8 to 12, children are longing for adventure. They're getting more mm. confident in, in being out in the world. So it's trying to sort of write those adventures, but in a way that still makes sense to a, to a kid of that age. So, yes, I think it's those things, really. And um, so did you have to do um, kind of research before you started um, with this one? Yeah, it's, it's quite funny. If you could see the tabs open on my computer, I researched some hilar- hilarious things to do with, sort of, for example, what do bees do in the winter? <laughs> I, I, I don't have much of a natural history background, but I found it completely fascinating. And one one of the elements, I think partly what sparked actually wrote an article, and it was about um, some uh, sort of environmentalists trying to sort of find a new way to save the rainforest. And one of the things that this, this person had done was they'd set up hides for bees in the rainforest because then honey production can be mm. something that, that supports all of that. And I found that completely fascinating. And it made me sort of realise there were so many different types of bee, not just one sort of bee. And that became uh, quite a theme for the book, the idea of bees acting as a community yeah. and what it feels like, almost like a, a mirror of a friendship group, but also lots of bees just operate as individuals. So that kind of proved to be a really helpful idea. And the sort of eco-hero within the book not to give too much away he's written several books and one of it is, is called be aware in the rainforest mm. so that's directly flowing through from that little piece of research that i did it's great um yeah i i find these really interesting as well and I, um there's uh, someone i know locally to us who uh, keeps bees and he was saying the other week how they're all still they were all still really awake because it had been so mild and then I just as you were talking then I'm like oh no ones that like when it then it suddenly got colder I'm like oh I hope they kind of got to go to sleep yeah. in time or you know yeah. um yeah yeah they kind of show us a lot don't they the bees they they, they do show us a lot and I really like the idea that my my main character, the hero Kit, who's 12 years old, you know, he's an absolute, you know, he's definitely going to go on to be a naturalist mm-hmm. and, and um, you know, he, he loves nature and trying to sort of um, bring in knowledge about bees, but through him in hopefully a really natural way, not in a teacherish sort yeah. of way at all. Um, so that, that's been something that I've really tried to focus on in the book as well. I think you write character really well as well, especially I think it's interesting writing children or you know like um yeah young adults I guess and uh 
But when you're developing those characters, so you've just talked about like your character kit in, in the middle grade book, um, are they based on people or are these entire works of fiction or how do you start to develop your characters? I think they are entire works of fiction. I definitely don't consciously um, model them on anybody that I've ever known or anything like that. So yeah, they it's a, it's a very sort of mystifying part of the sort of artistic process, I suppose. They just sort of arrive to me. And then I think as you actually write them on the page, they become more real. And one of the things I find really useful is thinking about how each character speaks, their sort of, um, the phrases they would choose, the, the way they interact with other people. I think that could be a really, really useful way to sort of get to know your character. Um, and I spend some time as well thinking about things like what would their favourite food be, their favourite song, um, what time of day do they prefer, all those sorts of things to build. I don't actually necessarily record that in, on paper, but I certainly think about it quite a lot. Mm, yeah. um, I think that really helps me to get to know my own characters. And I get terribly attached to them as well, <laughs> which might sound odd, but <laughs> I do. I feel like I really know them and I'm very fond of them. No, it's true. And there's something quite, um, quite kind of remorseful about when you finish writing a book and you have to leave this you can you can understand why people write series because uh yeah, yeah. it's, it's quite spend more time with them totally yeah. um so uh, we you know we talked about like um you when writing middle grade uh you know the, the research that you take place around there but what about what you read for fun what do you do you yeah yeah, I read really, really broadly. I love reading poetry, short stories, um, obviously had a wide range of adult novels, but I also read lots and lots of middle grade. And I think sometimes writers think, oh gosh, that's really risky. Would you accidentally um, allow ideas or ways of writing or themes to, to sort of um, flow into your own work pretty much by accident? But one of the things that I find is it's so good to see what's being published, what are children enjoying? Because that's the key to the whole thing. You want the child reading the book to really have an enjoyable experience. So that might there might be some jeopardy and excitement in there. There might be some thoughtful aspects to the book. There hopefully will be some humour as well. So I find I would certainly advise anyone wanting to write middle grade to just read as many children's novels as you can the contemporary ones as well, ideally, so that you get that sense of what children today are really enjoying. Um, so if um, while you're while you're working, you know, you've talked about um, mulling things over while you're walking the dog and so on. But what happens if you get to a point where you just can't write um, and you're totally stuck? Have you got kind of a trick to get you going again? Um, I think one of the tricks I tend to, to use if, I, if I'm feeling really stuck is I, I kind of try and do things that are peripheral or, or supportive of the story. So I might um, think about one of the locations and start sketching out really in rough terms a little map so I have a closer sense of how long it would take a character to get from A to B or what the, what the furniture looks like in a room, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something I certainly advise the other writers that I work with. If you are feeling stuck in terms of writing a chapter or, or moving the actual narrative along, then then do those other things because they're really really useful. And they add they add sort of necessary depth as yeah. well, or maybe little character sketches or a little piece of research or something like that. Um, because it, it all counts and it's all really useful towards the story. Um, but particularly if, if something's happened that makes it difficult to actually um, write a certain number of words, and those things can be can be really useful and hopefully view them in a really positive way as well. And how do you um, go about organising your work? Uh, are you are you a spreadsheet user? Is it all in a notebook? 
Um, spreadsheets make me cry. Unfortunately, <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely not one of those people. <laughs> no, um, I, I tend to. I, I just work in Word actually usually. So um, I do have a notebook with lots of sort of jottings and scribblings and ideas. Um, but mainly, I just work in in Word drafts, and I try really hard to keep control of my versions, which which is a little bit of a work in progress. Mm. I've, I've tried um, that program called Scrivener, but I yeah. just couldn't get on with it. So. Um, yes, I'm, I'm extremely um, just 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 use the most basic the most basic systems really. <laughs> Me too. I just feel like I don't want to complicate my life any further with having to to kind of uh, yeah. master any other technology. I mean, you should yeah, have seen Sam and yeah. I trying to get initially trying to um, work out how to use all this equipment now to do the podcast. It was absolutely <laughs> hilarious. So I think in oh, terms God. of writing, well, I admire you. <laughs> Yeah, let's keep it basic. I'm definitely a word person as well. Although somebody, one of our uh, writers had told us a brilliant tip around titles, how you can jump from um, section to section uh, within a it's word in document. The, yeah, in the word document that you can you change it to he- a heading and then down the left hand side of the page, the headings will be there. So it's like you can put the different chapters so it just helps you navigate it and I think she was saying that you can drag it around as well I can't really remember and to be honest I was so excited about it when we talked about it and then got the total fear about trying to do it within a work in progress because I just thought no my luck I'll just end up deleting the entire thing (laughs) so yeah word and a notebook as well yeah, it's, it, that's really good. The other thing that I, I do, probably not quite as often as I should, is um, I save my current draft to my Dropbox folder because yeah. that's in the cloud. Yeah. And then that means if something were to happen to my computer, or got stolen or something like that, then all is not lost. But it is an aspect, I think it's one of those things I would I would so love to be more sort of organised with, with all of those things. But um, it, it's it's something I do struggle with, if I'm honest. I have lots of lots of bits of paper with ideas scribbled down on, then I lose the piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I one of the least organised people I know, I think, and I I think that um, there's a element of creativity in that. that yeah, you know, I, I think a I think it would like make I, me cry I, as well. Yeah, definitely. And I'm very much something. I think it, I think in colour, and I think visually so um my books on my, my shelves they're not organized by author name or alphabet I, i'll know where it is because i remember what color the spine yeah. is so it's very much all that type of that's just the way that my mind works i think as well that's probably why i'm so drawn to picture books because yeah. i have such fond memories as a small child of, of looking uh, at illustrations i used to love the missy books which have a really simple yeah. strong color palette um, things like that and Millie Molly Mandy and the little maps and things like that so they've really really influenced me and I certainly would remember the visual aspects and also how a book feels in your hand as yeah. well so I think that's more the way that my mind works the way that books feel in your hand I was just thinking on that actually with children's books of um, those really late nights trying to read children to get them back to sleep and if you had a hardback book I just used to think Who's done this? This is so heavy. I just yeah. need something yeah. light and easy to read. <laughs> yeah, and then that's a really important point. And one of the real big trends, actually, in middle grade fiction is to keep the chapters quite a bit shorter yeah. than perhaps they might have been in the past. And I think it's really to help build children's reading confidence and stamina so that they can have that satisfaction. Oh, I finished another chapter. And I think that is actually a response to the, the, 
great difficulties that, that young children will, will have had in the pandemic with their education yeah. being interrupted and things like that. So that's a really, for anyone that might be considering writing middle grade, keeping the chapters to 1,000, 1,300 words is probably the way to go. Yeah. Although that well. makes it really easy for the kids to just say, if you're reading to the children, for them to say, just one more chapter, one more chapter. <laughs> that's and true. before you know that it, you know, you've been reading for an extra hour. <laughs> yes, that's true. Maybe it works better for the kids and the parents. Yeah. <laughs> Um, brilliant so if um, you were able to give yourself some advice for when you were starting out or um, advice for someone starting out now what would that be Um, I think the first piece of advice would just be read as many books um, for the age range that you're considering writing for as you possibly can make sure there's contemporary books published within the last couple of years ideally and just to get that real sense of as a you know what's being published and why that might be and to give a sense of where your idea might might fit within within the sort of what is really a marketplace the the other piece of advice i would give if you're thinking about writing pitch books is is literally get out your pencils and your paper ideally pencils rather than pens because it's just about feeling free to explore and try things out and scribble mm-hmm. it down on the page before you really get anywhere near a keyboard um, and I think it's something that gets very forgotten about that idea of just trying out and exploring and getting it wrong and having another go so those those would be my, my top tips I think fantastic thank you so much Kate it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast oh thank you so much for having me guys it's been lovely and so for people who want to find out more about you I know you have quite an active Twitter account and for people who want to follow you and also see your wonderful tips which are often through uh, the medium of photograph of your beautiful, beautiful job, Rupert. <laughs> my, little, my little Rupert. <laughs> How can people yes, find he's you? Very wise. <laughs> uh, yes, in my on Twitter, I'm at Kate Lee Story, and then I have a website um, which is kateleeauthor.co.uk. Um, so yes, I can I can be found online fairly fairly easily. I think. Wonderful. Thanks again, Kate. We've really, really enjoyed talking to you. Oh, thank you so much. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We hope you found some inspiration in that chat. For more writing resources, go to our website, writingaroundthekids.co.uk, where you'll find tips, prompts and links to our social media. And don't forget, you can still catch up on all the fab episodes from Series 1.